Looks like it's clearing up for the weekend. Stay tuned for Chef Bill's Table. Welcome to Chef Pilt's Table. We're here at uh, 100andchamberradio.com every Monday around this time or on the archives if, like most people, you tune in later. Talking about food celebrations, anything else that comes our way today, we have a guest. I have uh, Pete Nurcio. He's the owner and general manager of the Black River Spice and Tea Company in Old Wick, New Jersey. Peter, we met last week, and uh, very interesting setup here, dealing with uh, teas and spices, focusing on spices right now. And today we're going to talk with Pete and uh, get a little bit of, get to know him a little bit. He may be a regular guest on the show because spices and seasonings, of course, are integral to all types of cooking. It's always nice to have an expert in the field here. And uh, hopefully you get to know Pete, and if you're in the area or have a need, uh, he can be your go-to guy for spices and teas. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for having me, Bill. I guess we'll get started here uh, very generally. So, Pete, um, tell me a little bit, uh, how did, why spices and teas? Good question. Um, my wife recently retired. Uh, her name is Amy. And uh, I have been uh, actually looking for work for a few years. And um, she was enjoying retirement, uh, without a doubt, but uh, I wasn't. And I wanted to do something more. Um, After uh, thinking about it and having discussions with Amy, uh, we started looking at things that we enjoyed in common, and one of them was cooking. So we decided... uh, well, maybe we can do something with that, but uh, opening a restaurant wasn't something we wanted to do. We wanted um, to do something not, easier. I, I'm going to interject here. Sure. A lot of people think that, oh, I've got retirement, I, <laughs> I like to entertain, and I think I'll open a restaurant. And they find out they worked harder than they ever did in their whole <laughs> life, so you might have made a good choice here. I think so, too. I mean, we, we have uh, friends um, who have uh, been involved in the restaurant business, uh, and uh, it is something that is a lot of work, and, and you got to be there all the time. And, and that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to do something uh, that uh, our commute was uh, virtually zil- uh, zilch. I mean, we uh, we have several buildings on our property. One okay, we- so you can operate it right from yeah. Where you live. We we, we have converted one of the buildings into uh, a warehouse. And uh, it's an approved uh, manufacturing facility by the state and by the uh, county. Oh, so, yeah, so you went through all the steps, yeah. which some people don't do, and then they end up <laughs> down the road, oh, i got to do this, i got to do that. So you went in with your eyes open. We went in with our eyes open. I, I, I knew there was going to be stuff that needed to be done. And uh, the, the funny thing was that um, uh, both the county and the state inspector, they were both really, really pleasantly surprised with how it turned out uh, Apparently, a lot of people who uh, want to do something, make a product, well, they don't really think of food safety. And, uh, and you, you would think with spices, well, why bother? They're dried, right? 
Well, there, there is still potential. I mean, uh, even dried spices. I mean, if you have uh, periods of high humidity, and they absorb moisture, and then you can get fungal, uh, fungi growing on them. Okay. So uh, you have to have a controlled situation. Our, our facility has uh, temperature and humidity control. But they were, they were really interested in, uh, in how we set up our operation, and they so said, did you, you wouldn't that? believe it. Did you uh, research it first, or your background led you to? Um, the, uh, I, you mean in terms of running, running a business or well, this that's particular the, thing? Obviously, yeah, you, you're going to need some business knowledge, but I mean just the, the, the yeah. ins and outs of the facility. Like, I wouldn't think that, I know humidity might be an issue, but as far as inspections, I would not have thought that oh i we um this has been on uh, this has been an active uh, endeavor for uh, a little over a year okay and so i uh, went to the uh, state websites uh county website and uh, learned uh, you know about starting a business learning about the food business and went to the fda website um you know you're uh, you're subject to fda as well if if you do anything interstate is it FDA or USDA? Uh, both, actually, but the FDA uh, will uh, inspect. So, for okay. instance, if I were to uh, go to uh, Rice's Market in Pennsylvania to sell, uh, right. that's interstate commerce. Okay. That's the jurisdiction of the federal government, and it's subject to FDA inspection. Okay, because I remember I worked in a restaurant where we were selling to a local supermarket um, prepared products, uh, sausage, meatballs, things like that, anything with... We had to be USDA inspected because it's for resale beyond us. You know, selling yes. it in a restaurant, you're fine. You're selling to the end consumer, but you're wholesaling. They, you know. The uh, spices uh, are imported, okay. and when you start getting into imports, it's FDA. Another layer. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, there are locally grown uh, spices. When I say local, I mean uh, indigenous into the U.S., like for instance, garlic. Okay. Uh, a lot of it's done in California. It's grown and dried, uh, but but in the off seasons, uh, it's grown elsewhere. That uh, right now, most of the garlic that you see granulated or flaked or powdered, uh, that's grown in China. Yeah, I guess it's well where the climates are better for it, right? Absolutely. They, uh, well, you know, when it's summer on one end of the earth, it's winter on the other, so uh, we can't always have a growing season. Yeah, and plus now our climate in North America, is it good for it? You see spices are mostly in exotic subtropical or tropical areas. Absolutely. And we're good for wine grapes most of the country, <laughs> but we're not good for coffee and we're not good for... That, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, that was one of the uh, questions that uh, we're going to be at the local farmer's market soon. And uh, that was a question is, well, do you grow any of the spices locally? And I said, well, you know, if there's a local crop of black pepper, I'd like to know about it because uh, uh, it, it'd be really, uh, you know, an oddity. Well, maybe with global warming we'll get there, right? <laughs> They're making champagne in England now, so anything can happen. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, we we we, uh, we came. We settled down on spice because it, it was involved in cooking. It's it's to me, it's probably the most interesting uh, food associated thing you can do because every spice has its own story, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it, not only that. So there's, there's that interest component, but there was another other things. For instance, um, they're dried, so. Uh, 
the, um, the requirements for doing that type of business are uh, much lower than if you're doing fresh produce that sure. can go bad. So, you know, that's, that's another benefit. And the other benefit is, is that uh, per square inch or a cubic inch, I would say, um, you pack a lot of value. Yes. And, and a good way to see that is next time you go to the uh, supermarket, uh, you'll see the, uh, all the spices on the shelves. And it'll say this bottle is four ninety nine, five ninety nine. But if you look just next to the price, uh, all the stores are required to post price per pound. Yes. And then you see cinnamon is like sixty two dollars a pound. Yeah. So so uh, per per area, you can pack a lot of value. Sure. So so if you think about it, with our building, I could if I filled it to the roof with rice. It wouldn't be worth nearly as much as if I fill it with spice. That's right. Yeah. The, the uh, well, well, that's why trade routes were. I mean, it's <laughs> how we got accidentally stumbled upon by <laughs> the Europeans, right? This country. Oh, I mean, they were absolutely. looking for uh, for an easier way to get spices. It well, drove all the trade. That that brings that brings us to to sort of like the history because. Uh, Today, I guess we're going to be talking about black pepper. Black pepper, yeah. We're going to, I, I liked your idea on that. Just start. Uh, all right, let's start with something basic that everybody kind of takes for granted. Now we call that a spice instead of a seasoning, right? Right. Or are the two terms interchangeable? Uh, seasonings, seasonings are. Uh, they are. People do interchange them, but but um, there's a difference between. Um, uh, a spice and and a seasoning, I would say, at least to, to my mind, uh, se- seasonings are often spice uh, urban spice blends. Okay. Uh, whereas uh, uh, spice uh, refers to the um, often to the to the seed of a plant. Okay. Okay. So. Um, so spices are more seeds. Yeah, herbs are going to be the leaves. the leaf. Yeah. All right, so oregano is an herb, mm-hmm. and and thyme is an herb, rosemary is an herb. Uh, spices are are going to be um, either the seed, sometimes the bark of of a plant, like cinnamon is the inner bark. Okay. Um, but cumin, um, black pepper is another example. Um, let's say um, what would be another example? Uh, dill, not uh, dill seed. That is. That's yeah, that's dill a spice, dill but dill weed, weed is the, is an herb. And you've got fennel seed, and you've got fennel seed, fennel, uh, coriander. Those are all. Uh, uh, they're either referring to the seed or to the dried f- uh, fruit, flower yeah. fruit of, yeah. okay. of the. Uh, so that's that's the difference. All right, we're going to uh, hold that thought right there. We got a break for a couple of messages from sponsors, and then uh, we'll be right back
back at the table here. Pete and I were just enjoying little Eric there. All right, so um, today I know we wanted to talk about black pepper. It's kind of our lead-in, right? That's right. Very versatile. Um, so black, how do we get black pepper? So that's a good question. First of all, uh, black pepper uh, is grown on uh, a plant called uh, Piper nigrum. It's a vine. Uh, it grows in tropical areas only, so you can't grow it in New Jersey. Uh, vine's about 30 feet long, and uh, it has, uh, it's a flowering vine, and it's those flowers that once they're pollinated and they start to ripen into fruit, uh, that's the pepper that you uh, harvest. So, and they have to be hand harvested, probably. Well, or? yeah, because the vines are vertical, so they they come out with uh, the ladders, and they uh, it's sort of like little grape uh, bunches. They okay. they snip okay. them down, right. and uh, the, so they hand harvested because uh, they reuse that vine just like grapes. Uh, you know, for for wine, they uh, you know they don't just mow it all down and replant. No, oh, no, you've got years and years. Yeah. yeah. So so um, so they those vines are quite old and. Um, there's over uh, 600 varieties of uh, piper. That's the genus that uh, Piper nigrum is from. And only a few are really commercial. Uh, very, very few. The most successful, of course, is black pepper or Piper nigrum. Um, so it's the dried fruit of, okay. of, the, uh, of the pepper plant or Piper nigrum. Basically, what they do um, is uh, they harvest the, uh, the bunches just before they ripen. And there's an actual word for that. It's called viraison, V-E-R-A-I-S-O-N. Okay. It's at the viraison where they actually cut uh, the bunches off the plant for harvest. They don't let them ripen. So what would happen if they ripened? Well, then you get differences. You, you, uh, you can actually start making other kinds of pepper, like red pepper. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> so you want it green, <laughs> Or uh, yeah, so 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 there, there's so they harvested green. Yeah, so they harvest it just before ripening, not too green, not too, because if you harvest it too too early, then you get what's called green pepper. So it, it turns out that green pepper is uh, not what we're going to be talking about. We'll be talking about black. So what's happening is that we take the black pepper. Uh, in, at the verizon stage, we take it off, and then what we wind up doing is, uh, well, at least in India they do this, um, they boil it for one or two hours. After it's boiled for one or two hours, you get a, um, uh, a uh, uh, well, what they wind up doing is they wind up taking that pepper and they sterilize it. So now that sterilized pepper uh, can be um, used in the next step for drying. But that sterilizing step, that one or two hours of boiling, does two things. Not only does it sterilize the also uh, rupture the cell walls of that pepper. And when it ruptures the cell walls, um, you uh, promote the uh, enzymes within to start the enzymatic browning process. So typically in India what they'll do is they'll take the black pepper and they'll uh, put it out onto an area and if uh, and they put it out into the sun 
and uh, they let it stay exposed to the sun for about 12 days. Uh, and they turn them over occasionally uh, so it dries evenly. Mm -hmm. So what winds up happening is um, the uh, pepper will uh, shrivel and turn black after 12 days. And at that point, you wind up uh, getting um, the black peppercorns as you know them when you buy them. So the one difference uh, at that point is, is that it's mixed in still with all the, the vine material or the bunch, the little stems. So they have to sift it, and once it's all sifted, you wind up with the final product, which is the black peppercorns, which are separated from, from everything. So, so at that point, um, you can take the, uh, the, the peppercorns and put them into uh, packaging. Typically, it's 50 kilogram mm -hmm. uh, per package, uh, or um, and and then it's uh, exported that way. So that uh, that's basically the process for making black pepper. And uh, there are five major regions in uh, in the world where black pepper is commercially distributed. Uh, one of them is is uh, India. Of course, as we've been talking about, um, and they export about a hundred. Uh, last year, in 2016, they exported about 130,000 tons. Okay. So, which is a lot. The uh, next place uh, that's on the list uh, of major exports uh, is Indonesia. Uh, they export about 58,000 tons last year. Right. Um, after that is Malaysia, and Malaysia um, has uh, exported in 2016 around 32,000 tons. There's nothing, can you hear anything in there? Um, another place uh, that uh, you get uh, black pepper from is uh, in the New World area in Brazil. Brazil uh, in 2016 exported 80,000 tons of uh, black pepper. But the single largest up and rising region for black pepper right now is uh, Vietnam. Uh, the, and it's fairly recent, too, because Vietnam started out uh, late in the game. Uh, but now um, they are the largest exporters of black pepper in the world. Wow, small country to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. They, uh, right now, um, in 2016, they exported... 360,000 tons of black pepper. Tons. Tons, yeah. Now, they're not the, the largest producer, though. Still, India is the largest producer. But they probably uh, use more. Well, yeah. A lot of uh, people there to use it, yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like enjoying uh, sweets and owning a candy shop. You're your best customer. Right. So, <laughs> well, a lot of uh, countries, again... Um, uh, wine-producing countries, for example, you know, sometimes they, they consume most of what they're making. They do export some, but with a big wine, Italy or Spain, somebody like that, big wine-drinking culture, they end up, a lot of it stays right there. Oh, so. absolutely, absolutely. And in, in India's case, remember, they're exporting 130,000 tons. That represents only 10% of what they produce. So 90% of it never leaves India. Right. It's consumed right there. 
So we're talking like 1.3 billion pounds of black pepper being uh, commercially exported annually. That's just, you know, when you think that, that when you realize how little that stuff weighs, as you said, it's, uh, um, it's crazy. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of work. That's a lot it's of a, It's a lot of some. It's <laughs> a lot of growing something somewhere. We're going to break for news for a second here. We're back at the table with Pete Nurcio from Black River Spice and Tea Company. And we've been talking a little bit about the background of black pepper. And I guess... Um, well, it's sort of interesting because uh, we did talk about the major regions. Right. Uh, and uh, they all have names. Like, for instance, you'll go to the, the, the store and you'll see Malabar black pepper. Uh, Malabar okay. black pepper is from India. Okay. Uh, and that's the, the run-of-the-mill black pepper in India. It's all from the Malabar coast. That's along the southwestern uh, region of, uh, of India. That's, that's called Malabar, the Malabar coast. And there's a uh, higher grade that comes out of India, uh, which is still the Malabar pepper, but it's a higher grade because it's, uh, it's a bigger berry that's dried. Okay. And you might have heard of it. It's called telecherry. Telecherry, yes, yeah. So telecherry is, uh, uh, people think it means it comes from a, for a certain area in the Malabar coast, but it doesn't. It means that it's coming, uh, fr- uh, it means that what they do is they sift uh, the uh, berries and, uh, or the peppercorns once they're done. And the ones that are four and a quarter millimeters um, are, uh, or larger are considered um, telecherry. Okay. All right. So that's uh, that's uh, it's like tea. Orange pico and pico are not the flavor of the tea. It's the cut of the leaves. It's the cut of the leaves. Yeah. So right. in this case, so if I'm saying, oh, I don't like, I don't want Malabar pepper. I want telecherry. It's so you are getting Malabar pepper. You're just getting big bigger. Malabar okay. pepper. You know, and 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 they got those are the grades. I mean, that's called that's called um, uh, extra bold. Okay. Is is the is the grade for for telecherry, and then there are some that are actually almost a half a centimeter big, uh, five millimeters. And when they get to, it's really four point seven five millimeters. When they get that big or bigger, uh, then they have their own name. They're, they're, they're special extra bold, and that means you're going to pay a premium. You know, those and, are probably almost the size of a juniper berry. Then, yeah, right? <laughs> getting close, <laughs> getting close. But yeah, that's the and and the thing is, is that the telecherries you can actually f- uh, force the harvest a little to make telecherries. Okay. Um, you, if you just let it. Uh, remember, we talked about picking them at very eisen, right when they're just about to start to ripen, but right. they're still green. Well, what some do uh, is they push it and they let them start to get towards the reddening process. Maybe green-yellow. Each berry is a little little. Is yellow. that where those multicolored peppercorns come from then? Uh, you're talking about the mix? Yes, I've oh, seen No, those. they just take white pepper and black pepper okay, and red it? pepper and then they shake it up, up and they stick it in the grinder. All right. So, yeah. No, but, but uh, in this case, what they'll do is they'll push it to a point where... 
it goes a little bit beyond being just green. It starts mm. to yellow a little on right. its way to orange and red. Okay. And they pick them then. Two reasons. Uh, one reason is that the longer you let it on, stay in the vine, the bigger it grows. The bigger it grows, the better chance you're going to have telecherry. That's one. And number two, the, the, uh, the, one of the hallmarks of telecherry is that uh, they're a little bit, uh, they have a sweetness component that uh, regular Malabar doesn't. Okay. And ripening brings out sugar production yeah. and sweetness. So that's how that happens. So you're really, yeah, so it's like wine grapes. You're either picking for sweetness or varietal expression, depending yeah. on what the, you want the end product to be. So, so, um, so white pepper, that's, is that, now the white pepper is, well, black pepper is dried, right? Not from, it's dried, right? Yeah, white pepper's boiled before, uh, uh, to get rid of the, uh, and, and, it, and then it's soaked. Okay. And it's allowed to soak a week. Uh, we're really, we're going to keep this for another time, but just yeah. real quick. Basically, it soaks for a week. Um, that takes the outer co- coating of it, and mm. it uh, makes it disintegrate. And that outer coating is what blackens. Now that it's disintegrated, there's no, there's okay. no, no coating to blacken. So when they dry, they dry white. Okay, because when people would talk about using black pepper and things, and in, it seems in, in Europe there's maybe more white pepper used. I think a lot of it's the appearance you know, in a light sauce, you don't want the black specks. Right. And in North America, we tend to use more black pepper. I personally, I mean, I know appearance is important, but there is a difference in flavor, right, between the black and the white. The black seems to have more of that spicy, like the spice yeah, characteristic, the, the nose. The, the, the greener the, it is, the, the more piperine is in it. Okay. Uh, and so... Uh, the the uh, so you tend to get more spiciness. Also, the, depending on the region, the uh, the relative amount of piperine, which is which is that hot hotness, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that would vary too. But the aroma of black pepper is really due to a, a compound called uh, rotundone, and rotundone is classic aroma of black pepper and that is whether you're using white or black you're going to get the aroma yeah the plant the, the plant itself piper nigrum uh produces the same things okay. how you treat it later on is immaterial to what it's already in so the, you still have the heat the you still have the aroma yeah yeah i always thought there was all right there that, are change there are differences you you wind up um you you wind up changing when when you change the process you wind up modifying the flavor Okay. You do you do do that. I mean, you you can't you know you, yeah. anything you cook, you, you you've got to do it by a certain process. You can't just throw it together any way you want. It won't come out the same necessarily. And and like this, pepper pepper depends on two things: where it's grown and how it's processed. Just like most things, right? Yep. <laughs> um, we wanted to get into. Uh, I know you've been curious. A couple of recipes. I know you mentioned Hassenpfeffer, um, which is pepper hair. Yep. Because um, I thought, uh, and Pfeffer News also, the cookies, they're a little spice cookie. Um, I think originated probably in... in uh, is it German? Holland and, and Northern Europe, yeah. Okay. And they don't... I mean, it's not a black pepper cookie per se, but there's all the, uh, there's the mace and all, there's all those aromatic... I call them the fall spices or winter spices for lack of it. Those kind of flavors, but there is black pepper in them also. 
because, and that means it, it translates to pepper nut. So I guess they look like a, a big, they're little round, hard cookies. Huh. And so they have black pepper in them. But the, uh, the Hassenpfeffer, it was like a tre- treating game, which the hare would be the older, mature rabbit, let's say. Right. Um, I know just uh, a sauce, a poivre with, with meats, but the, uh, the game marinade for Hassenpfeffer, also, say, venison. Game really takes on the characteristics of black pepper really well, just like it does with red wine, or if you're using vinegar, you use red vinegar, something uh, a little stronger because of the flavor. And I guess that's from back when... Um, when you're harvesting game, we call it harvesting to be nice. Um, in the in the wild, you you stop the thing in its tracks, the animal. Whereas when you're commercially producing meats, the blood is allowed to pump out. So that's where that gaminess comes from. Oh, is that right? Oh. So some of it was for preservation. Some was to overcome that strong flavor. So. You've got your 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 uh, red wine. You've got your black pepper. Um, uh, it was to kind of counter counteract the uh, the gaminess, if you will. And that's why nowadays, you know, even all this stuff. I mean, commercially raised and harvested, the diets controlled, vegetarian diets, and uh, you know, you don't uh, you don't have those issues. But I mean, it was mainly it was in the slaughtering. You know, I I uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but but I. Um it seems that, you know, when you say gamey, you're talking about strong flavor. Right. And um, often, in order to modify strong flavor, you need a strong spice. Mm-hmm. And so you, you wouldn't use something like marjoram, which is very mild flavored. Uh, but something like pepper really comes forward when you put it into something, especially if you put a lot in. So so definitely I can see that in gamey type of uh, things, like Hassenpfeffer, um, you would want to use a, uh, a prominent spice that's really going to, you know, make yes, it Yes, because that was the older, the, you know, again, I mean, rabbit in this country, hardly any is produced. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it looks like little chickens there. It's very mild flavor. But, you know, the older rabbits, you know, you need uh, something for that flavor. Um, but black pepper, you know, the... Uh, Use it in the marinade, and of course, then uh, when I do a uh, sour braten, you have the red wine, the red wine vinegar, and there's juniper, but peppercorns are in there also. And we boil that marinade first, then strain it and chill it, and that puts that flavor of those spices in there. But a, a sauce, a poivrade sauce, coming in the French sauces, which is you know what I kind of key to, um, is a game sauce traditionally based on black pepper. And you've heard of steak au poivre, which is a pan sauce. Uh, we've done that with, uh, most often done with filet, although a strip steak is nice. But the filet with um, kind of now the opposite. Filet doesn't have a whole lot of flavor. So you're adding with that black pepper crust. And I always think the, the crushed pepper kind of holds the steak off the pan so it's not going to stick. It kind of, you put that coating on there, so you're kind of, you're searing it, but uh, it gives you a little bit of barrier between the meat and the pan, especially lean meat. That's not otherwise would need a lot of oil. Uh, is the pepper uh, used whole or cracked? We crack it, and it's going to ask you the best way. I do it with the uh, on a on a kitchen towel with the edge of a frying pan and kind of roll it. Just rock it over the peppercorns. Don't try to sit there with a mallet and do it because they're going to splash all <laughs> over the place. We've done grinders, spice grinders, but they seem to give you 
they're meant to be really pulverize things. Right. So right. the ultimate thing is, is you're you're grinding until everything is finally ground. When you try to half grind, you're going to get some you know some that's powder, some that's not. Uh, mortar and pestle is probably the oldest that. way. Just you can kind of see what you're doing. It's the same motion as I do with the pan. I do it on a kitchen towel so they don't roll all over the place. But a cutting board, clean kitchen towel, and the edge of a heavy pan or a pot, and just roll it over them. And you can kind of see, you know, you want them cracked into a few pieces, but not ground too finely. Yeah, there's actually differences. There's this half cracked, quarter cracked. Well, there's cracked. a butcher grind that's kind of a coarse Even grind for sausages. So the, but the black peppers now... We'll make the sauce with green peppercorns, but we put the black on the steak. Now, when you heat those up and cook them, they do soften up a little bit, correct? They should. Yeah, you'd they absorb moisture. Bra- you'd break your teeth, you know, but uh, <laughs> usually a steak of poivre, you've got that crunch on there, but it's not bad. If you try to crunch a whole peppercorn, you're going to break a tooth, but once you crack it, it seems when it's in a sauce. Remember, when, when, you, start, when you start cooking meats, uh, especially if the peppercorns are underneath, they're trapped between the, play, uh, the pan and the meat, uh, that hot meat gives off steam, okay. and steam rehydrates the corns. Right, so, so that they do soften up so a little bit. So they do soften yeah. up a bit. Yeah. So we, yeah, we kind of do the both, uh, because the sauce, the green peppercorn, you can kind of be liberal. We leave those whole, although some places uh, chop them or puree them even but that really um gives a nice spice flavor and you think you know you're taking them out of the brine are they going to be this but they really do pack that sauce in there so we'll do it with both there was uh there's a a, the chinese black pepper well black pepper chicken i guess is you know the the uh the cliche now but if you think of the pepper steak in chinese cooking and most well that's steak and green peppers but there also is a black pepper sauce that goes with it Hmm. So um, the black pepper chicken or the, or the pepper steak, you're using a fair amount of freshly ground black pepper with your rice wine and your little bit of fish sauce or soy sauce. You want a little uh, sugar. Uh, honey is uh, actually a great condiment to have on hand is, is black pepper honey. Have you tried that? Never tried it. Heard it sounds it? delicious. Though. So you take black... I mean, I've seen... Uh, recipes where you heat the honey a little bit, but really you take freshly cr- crushed pepper and let it steep in the honey. Of course, you don't have to refrigerate honey. You keep it at room temperature. If you warm the honey a little bit, it's going to infuse the honey with that black pepper flavor. And you can be fairly liberal with that. I mean, for a half cup of honey, you could put uh, two teaspoons of coarse ground black pepper in there, which is quite a bit. Hmm. And then it becomes like a dip or a spread or it could be the base for one of these stir fries where you're uh, stir frying the meat and then uh, using that as the sweetener slash uh, spice. Here's an interesting tidbit. I guess uh, you mentioned black pepper and, and honey. Uh, it's actually um, an Asian, an old Asian remedy for night blindness. They would uh, use black pepper uh, and honey, and, uh, and uh, that would supposedly... Uh, uh, as an ex- a topical type oh, so of you'd thing. Apply the, you'd the yeah, uh, it was applied topically, and, and uh, supposedly it was supposed to help with night blindness. So, uh. well, I've seen with the uh, <laughs> as a cough remedy, the honey and black pepper, or honey and tea, and or honey and lemon and black pepper, a little bit of spice. I think um, some of my uh, Central American friends actually would use. Well, they would probably wouldn't use black. They'd probably use the 
chilies, like mm-hmm. cayenne or something oh, ca- like yeah. that. Red, red pepper. But, yeah, hot pepper. But hot pepper, honey, that kind of mixture there is supposed to be, you know, if you've got a sore throat or a cough, which... Well, I could I, see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gargle with salt water myself. But, you, know, it's, uh, you, you throw back a, a glass of that, and uh, the last thing you'd be thinking about is your say, sore a throat. Of, a couple of <laughs> so. tablespoons, you know, and it's supposed to be good for coughs and things like that. Uh, we're going to take a couple of messages here, and then we're going to wind up. i got another one, cacio e pepe. Have you heard of that dish? No, I haven't. That's the little darling now of Italian restaurant. So we'll we'll get yeah, it's it's related to the carbonara. So we'll when we come back, we'll uh, talk about that. Hi, I'm Pat Smits, law offices of Patricia Garrity Smits LLC. The Hunterdon Chamber is a great resource to find the best local business people and meet new friends. Hunterdon Chamber of Commerce, building business, one business at a time. Back at the table here. So the black pepper, yeah, the uh, peppercorn sauce, the pan sauce that we uh, talked about with the with the cracked black pepper. The uh, cacio e pepe is the one, I would, before we go into, we're going to go into some flavor profiles of some of these different, I was yeah, I'm like intrigued by the terminology. I just thought black pepper was black pepper. But I've heard of the telecherry, but never knew all these other things were there. But the, basically the cacio e pepe is cheese and pepper. Should be a good grated sheep's cheese. So if you think of Alfredo, we took butter and Parmesan from that region. This is more of the Roman style, and uh, Amatriciana and Carbonara both use the pancetta or the guanciale, the pork cheek. The Amatriciana, of course, is a tomato-based sauce. The Carbonara, we know the charcoal burner, gets a good dusting of fresh ground black pepper, and you have your cheese and eggs blended, and that kind of makes the sauce on the cooked pasta. You don't cook the sauce further. Cacio e pepe, and in many, many different, everybody can kind of customize this, um, but you need, do need fresh ground black pepper. Um, the pasta is up to you. You usually use a long pasta. A little bit of the pasta water helps make the sauce. And you, um, you can have a little bit of uh, the pork fat if you like, but you know some people use butter, some people use olive oil. Um, they use fresh pasta, you use dried pasta. But basically, you're uh, making a sauce with the pasta water and some of the cheese and a hefty grinding of black pepper. Now, the timing is important because you're doing this off the heat. You don't want to curdle the cheese. And whether you add oil or butter, again, you know, Romans would never use butter. They would <laughs> abhor that. But uh, as I say, there's as many ways as you as there are cooks to make this, but one of the quickest meals, and I know when you know when I was younger, you, know, you go out at night and you come back home and nothing to eat. Well, you got, always got a pound of spaghetti somewhere and some boiling water, and you uh, have some cheese and some. And that was basically it. So, uh, good quick food. But now the restaurants, it's kind of the third uh, popular Roman, third type of Roman pasta. Now that's kind of being uh, rediscovered as it, as you have it. So the flavor profiles of these peppers now, 
Pete, what about, uh, are they all different or are they all? Yeah, there, there are differences. Now, to the untrained uh, palate, I guess, they say, oh, it tastes like pepper to me, you know. Uh, but but there are differences, um, and uh, some of them are subtle, and some of them are not so subtle. Um, for instance, uh, right now I have in stock lamb hung black pepper. Um, that is a very small peppercorn, uh, and it's uh, very well balanced in flavor in, in terms of uh, the hotness of it versus the aromaticity uh, in flavor and different blends of flavors. You'll find that, like for Lampang, uh, citrusy, earthy, and pine uh, notes will come out. Um, and that's, that is accompanied all along with, with uh, relatively strong heat. So Lampang is strong. So are those characteristics, are they mainly if you're grinding it on freshly cooked food, or does it come through when you're cooking with it? Uh, it, the, if you freshly grind it on, you'll you'll get the the uh, largest gamut of bouquet, uh, simply because you're not evaporating any of the more so that's really the, oils. you you could you could you know, make a sauce with say ground pepper, but to finish, you could finish with this to kind of bring out the, those other notes. Like yeah. you would, I I cook with dried herbs, but then I'll finish with fresh. And, and that makes sense because uh, you you will wind up taking those flavor uh, notes, uh, those elements of flavor that you've either uh, modified by the heat, right, or uh, or have evaporated away, and you'll replace them back in. And yeah, that's that's what makes food flavor more bright with spice. Um, and that's a big thing too is when to add. Some spices can survive the cooking process better. Right. You know, certain spices, you, you shouldn't be adding them up front. Well, I remember you said that because I, I made a, a cranberry chutney yesterday for uh, so we had we served roast turkey. I didn't have any, you know, I, I don't know if people would ask for it. I didn't have any cranberry jelly from Thanksgiving, but I had some frozen cranberries. But I remember what you said. So I put my uh, um, clove and allspice and ginger powder in towards the end because the chutney, I had to cook it for a while, get the pectin. I had apples, cranberry, onions, the vinegar, and sugar. And I didn't. I put all the other stuff in at the end, so it kind yeah. of had more of that flavor towards the end rather than putting it. I guess if I had thrown a cinnamon stick in there in the beginning, it would have been okay. It would have been all right. Yeah. But I remembered what you said last week when we were talking, and uh, it will make a put difference. Put them in. Put them in towards the end. So yeah. you plus you probably have to use a little bit less too, right? That that too. I mean, the the uh, the freshness of the spice is going to really. Well, that's balance. the other thing. Now you say you know you've got and not to interrupt, but you know sure. the shelf life on spices. And I know you said about your business model, like all right, something that has a, you know doesn't spoil so quickly as fresh things. That's true. But you've still got. I see your point. It and it, it sounds like it's it, the proposition sounds absurd. I mean, what are you worried about freshness if they last a long time? Aren't they opposite ends of the stick? Uh, the the what I mean is is basically when we buy, we look to buy that year's harvest uh, if we can, and the reason being is that uh, the uh, over time, even dried spices, even in their whole form, uh, will eventually uh, lose their lighter flavor notes. And uh, eventually they will start to, uh, to wane in flavor. 
So what the bottom line is is that if you buy them much earlier, um, then uh, like right right after they are exported and you buy it then, uh, you're probably going to have uh, a dry product that is packed with the most flavor possible. And to to uh, really to keep it that way, you try to buy them in their wholest form. So, for right. instance, if you were to buy nutmeg from your ground, uh, it's not something that was ground six months ago. It wasn't anything that was ground a, a month ago. It was ground the day before I deliver. And and the reason being is that the whole nut is a hard shell. Right. And it keeps all the flavor oils in. Once you break open the shell, the process of evaporation, uh, oxidation, it all starts. And so you might say, well, yeah, but I'm going to have it for four months or three months. Yeah, but do you want it four months after it's been on the shelf for six, or you want it four months from fresh? Yeah, you want to control the four months. Yeah, of, so you, you want it to be your four months, not someone else's six months on top of it. Yeah, and, and I mean, it doesn't really devalue them. It just, uh, But I think what happens in, in, in doing recipe work for years, you see the measurements of some things. And you wonder because you, you you follow you know a lot of times I'll follow you know right by the book the first time and then assess it and see what I want to change. Some people like to change right from the get. You wonder because you, you you follow you know a lot of times I'll follow you know right by the book the first time and then assess it and see what I want to change. Some people like to change right from the get go, but the measurements on things. I don't know. Uh, do they assume that you're using, you know, freshly ground spices, or sometimes you see the amounts on things and you're like, wait, it sounds like way too much. <laughs> and maybe when the person tested the recipe, they had old stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's whoever wrote down the recipe uh, probably made it right before they wrote it down, and they used what they had. I think you're right. Yeah, and <laughs> sometimes it does. It's you, you taste or you taste it and say, uh, oh, it didn't seem like enough. So maybe you know they. <laughs> took it from, you know from somebody else and then you know just but like uh, you never think of the strength of the spices as being that important but and i'm sure in baking which is such a precision craft you know you've got to measure and weigh everything it's all science that when you're doing things with spices in a, in a, in a cake or a, a pastry that you really have to watch it, the freshness of it. Not, not only that, I mean, some some places resort to uh, kicking their spices up a notch, uh, and what they'll do is they'll not only use the spice, but they might also follow it follow it with a little flavor oil from that. So a lot of these spices oh, that's can true. also be sold as the You've got extracts. oil. Yeah, oils or extracts. And so and... what they do is, you know, they might add the spice taste, and say, ah, you know, I don't want to add more spice. It's going to take too long. Let me add some oil in, and and they'll play like that. Uh, so, but oil, essential oils are much more expensive than the spice. And if you have, generally they tell you you shouldn't have anything in the sh- on, in the cupboard more than six months. If it's more than six months old, uh, it's gonna start to go. And some things faster than others. Right. But um, you know th- that's th- that's one way that uh, some people will uh, take a product, food product, and intensify the flavors by adding some of the flavor oil. Okay, yeah, and I, I could see also if you're using something that's older to get 
say with a say with a nutmeg, you want that certain aroma of a nutmeg, and you keep adding more and you keep adding more. But then you're going to get other flavors in there that might be too much. There might the bitterness or whatever. That's right. Cause is going to be. It's a whole profile. In yeah. Nutmeg. So you're trying to look for one thing, and, and you're, you're carrying some of the other. Unfortunately, it's, it's noon already. A quick hour. We've oh, got to wow. get you back on here. Yeah, this could uh, should be a good regular gig here. So anyway, it's uh, Chef Bill's Table. We're uh, saying thanks to Pete Nurcio from Black River Spice and Tea Company in Oldwick, New Jersey. And we're going to uh, hear more from Pete because really these spices are the, uh, the backbone of a lot of good cooking. Thanks very much, Pete. You're welcome. Please take a look at our website, www.blackriverspice.com, and please like us on Facebook. All right, Pete. Have a good week. We'll talk to everybody next week. The news is sponsored by the Hunt.